Intended for mature audiences, 21 years and over. Kaplowitz Media, www.kaplowitz.xyz. We're here today to bring you the third of three installments. Myself, Rick Rodriguez of, Tamp of West Tampa Tobacco Company. We, in the first of three, just to refresh everybody's memory, and all these are available wherever you're listening to this one right now, we covered West Tampa Tobacco. We covered in the two of three, Farm and Factory, Little Cigar 101. We probably went as far as 201. And now, again, we're here. Rick Rodriguez, the man, the myth, the legend, and also the bobblehead doll on my desk. I don't know what to do Bro. with that still, Rick. You know what? I'm going to bring your family and your house luck. Everybody that has one of those in the shop, all of a sudden their sales go up. And I think it's because of me. Maybe it's because <laughs> of the, uh, the, the boom, but I've always taken the credit. <laughs> But enjoy that. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's it's a thing. Like, how, how, how many people have that? Not many. It's a, it's it's rarefied air, and I appreciate being included in it. So, uh, start starting. I, I've been looking forward to this because this is where you get to tell stories, and maybe we get to swap some stories. This is the bio, like I said, version, the biographical version of it. People are going to know you a whole lot better. And I hope you don't say anything regrettable, Ricky, because I don't know how to edit anything in or out. I'm, I'm just, don't worry this, about this it. is completely live, uncensored. And now that I built it up like that, it might be boring too, but it won't be because, come on, uh, where to begin? I have lived a life. You know, so it's not going to be boring. <laughs> Live their life. Yeah. Where, so let's begin where we kind of touched on before, and that is you've suffered a stroke years back. And yeah. it's an interesting starting point because we get to go both directions after that, backward and forward. But... I, I'm gonna ask you quite. I'm gonna ask you a question because I want to. I, I want to like understand better. Like what when you had the stroke, Rick? What what happened? What was that? What was that like? Yeah. It would change my life uh, for sure. It changed my life, and so it kind of. If you look at my career, the pre-stroke Ricky is different than the you know the you know the Ricky, you meet today. Uh, my speech is a little slower. Uh, you know, sometimes I hesitate on words, and those are always, you know, natural for me. I was a quick talker, a quick thinker, and it kind of, uh, kind of taught me a lot about myself, about my family, about my friends, and about my kind of journey of this life. Uh, and so, I can say this: it was devastating to not only me. Uh, but by my family and the, the company that invested so much time uh, to train me to be the splinter and all of a sudden being taken away from them and from, you know, taking them away from my family and say, okay, this is it. This is it. You know, you just had 
a stroke, uh, a massive stroke. Uh, we don't think you're going to ever be able to talk or walk again. And that was told for, to us uh, the you know, second day in the hospital uh, because when I had the stroke, um, I was in kind of a, a coma. Uh, so I woke up. The stroke happened on the 13th of uh, October, uh, 2007. It was a uh, Saturday. And so I woke up uh, on Monday in this hospital. And if anybody knows of anybody that has a stroke or have you ever, ever experienced yourself a stroke, you know this, it's painless. There's no headaches, there's no stomach aches, there's no pain associated. Oh, you should wake up one day or you have a stroke and your life is completely changed. And that's what wow. you know, happened to me. Wow. And, and we kind of hinted into connection. Your, doc, your doctor had a cigar connection. Which, which is interesting yeah, to so a lot we, of people listening yeah, to this. Kinda, yeah, it is, uh, because we found out that later. So when you, you know, when I woke up and, uh, you know, you can't move, you can't say your name, you can't say, I remember uh, the doctor or the nurses in my, you know, family. Uh, well, uh, that time was just uh, uh, Susan, my wife, was in the room, and then, I, you know, they got around my bed, explained what happened to me, where, where I was, and so do, do me a favor and say your name. And you can fully understand what is asked of you. And then when you try to answer the question, you, you stop. And you like, whoa. Uh, and they respond, that's not a name or a word that you just said. It's just wow. Google. Uh, so, and so uh, you can hear yourself. And so that was something like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And so, but if you look at what, when that happened in my career, you under, have mm-hmm. to understand, I was just trained for three and a half years, uh, and I'm picking up training with Benji, and we're learning about blending, and all of a sudden, I, we're, in, you know, we're in Texas and Dallas together on a 30, uh, Thursday night, and our Friday night event was canceled, and we had to be in uh, LA on Tuesday. So what we're going to do is stay over into Dallas and then on Sunday fly to LA. Once that, what this is the beauty of what happened to me. Once that that one Friday night event was canceled, Benji looked at me, let's go home, and then we'll just fly out together on Monday. I said, Benji, you know, really, we, we just should stay here. You know what, Ricky, you need to steal every ounce of the time you can with your family, so let's go home. So, all right, let's go home. So we flew home on that uh, Friday, and then Saturday I woke up and had a bunch of guys come to the, uh, the garage to watch some games. So I had about, uh, you know, five or six guys here and uh, started to grill and shut the grill and say, hey, bro, I'm tired. I'm going to go inside and take a nap. And uh, we just got here. Uh, well, you know, I'm so sorry, but I am super tired. I, maybe I had a great, you know, a, a hell of a week, but, I, you know, I have to focus on next week. I'm in, in L.A. for uh, about uh, six foot days. So, guys, go home. Uh, I'm going to shut it up. And I went inside, and that nap, now it's about the 2 o'clock. And I laid out, down on the couch. And I remember Susan woke me up about seven o'clock to, uh, or six o'clock to eat dinner. And wow! So, so I got up, uh, 
kind of made my way to the dinner table and I started eating. I said, you know what? I'm so tired. I'm just going to go and take a nap. I said, Ricky, you're just napping for four hours. And I said, I'm just tired, so I'm going to just go and take a nap. And so I went back to the couch and lay down again. So Susan uh, kind of, you know, cleaned up and went to the room. And that night there was a, 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 a movie on 10 o'clock, she says, uh, that we wanted to watch together. And she screamed out uh, about, uh, you know, a quarter to 10 to come to the room to watch the movie. And I didn't respond. So she, bless her heart, she said, I said something wrong because I was kind of going towards you. And she says, answer my fucking question. Are you going to watch the movie or not? And then realized I was just kind of done, done. And so she went to a neighbor's house and screaming, something's wrong with Ricky, come here. I don't know why she didn't call 911 first, but she went to my neighbor's. And uh, the huh. neighbors came out and said, bro, I think the, the lady that uh, came in, her dad just had a stroke about two or three months before that. And she wow. looked at me and she said, I think Ricky's having a stroke. And so called 911 and they did. And they, uh, so I'm in the hospital. And so, again, I thought I had by that time the world by the short hairs. Because now, I'm, in my mind, I was a blender. I'm going to take over La Gloria in about three months, and I'm just full of vinegar. Let me run, and this boom struck me down. And so, and then the journey uh, to recover started, and that was something horrible and beautiful at the same time, because again, huh. it taught me this lesson: the amount of people that were coming through that, uh, you know, the room to see me, to check on me, to pay their wishes to me. Uh, the doctor says, I, I don't know what your husband does for a living, but I have never seen somebody with so many people reaching out and calling or coming to the, uh, the hospital to see him. What does he do? And my, hmm. my wife says, he's in the cigar business. Oh, that makes sense because I know that community of cigar smokers and how close-knit these guys are. And so later on, I was out of the hospital. Now I'm doing physical therapy from walking to learn to talk. And uh, we're in the office with my doctor, and he's a neurologist. And uh, he says, well, okay, it's been uh, you know a month. Uh, we don't know what happened. We don't know what caused your stroke. We think it's a combination of maybe your spikes, uh, a blood clot. We don't know because looking at your records, you were just in the doctor's office six months ago for a checkup, and they gave you a you know, shining star. Go home. Whatever you're mm -hmm. doing, you're doing something right, go home. And so we don't know what happened. But uh, let's kind of dive deeper. So what do you do for a living? And I can't talk at this time, so I'm just kind of motioning. I can say one or two words. And Susan's explaining that he works for a gentle cigar. He's, a, he's playing, training to be a blender. He's out there doing events all over the country with his master learning about blending. So that's interesting. So my question is, how many cigars do you think you smoke a day, a week, or a month? And my wife looked at me and said, tell him, tell him. And I motioned per day. 
about five. Uh, and he said, oh, my God, that's a lot of cigars. Uh, per week, if I just count, that's 70 cigars a week. That's so many cigars a month. That's so many cigars a year. That's a lot of cigars. I said, oh, my God. This is, and Susan said, I told him. I told him it happened because it said cigar smoking. And he said, stop. We don't know what causes stroke, and I don't think it's cigars. My worries is how much money you're spending on cigars. And she says, stop, stop. They're all free. He works for the company. Oh, in that case, continue to smoke. Matter of fact, my, and I didn't know this. His name was Dr. Newman. He says, my first cousin is Eric and Bobby Newman. So I love cigars, too. The minute I heard that, I went to the car, got him a box or two of cigars, came back to his office, says, this is for me to you. Take care of me. And he says, let's go to work. Okay, so let, let, let me direct a little bit. You, 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 of course, mentioned your wife, Susan. You mentioned Benji. Let me use those two figures, if it's okay with you, to separate your life using mm. around the stroke as the line, as a dividing line. I know Benji was mm-hmm. before, but I'm going to posit him as after, just for the sake of right. presentation. How did you meet your wife, and what were you doing at that time, and what was that like? Like, we, Did you meet really young? Are you like high school sweethearts or something like that, or what were you up to? No. Uh, you know what? Uh, I dated um, my sister, and her sister was friends, and uh, she was a senior in high school, and I was a street kid from West Tampa. And so there was no you know, college in my future. There's no, you know, what are you doing? And so, well, they, but they connected us. And I remember going out with Susan uh, uh, maybe two times and then saying, yeah, bro, this mark is not there. I don't know what, but, uh, you know, this girl is too young for me. Uh, she's, you know, she, I think uh, Susan is about five years younger than me. So this girl is too young, so I'm just going to do my thing. She does his thing. And so we separated hmm. for about maybe two years. And she went away to college, and one day she came back uh, to Tampa and said, I want to look up a, a Ricky. What's he doing? And her sister said, I don't have a clue. I have not you know, you know, heard about Ricky. So, but I know where Ricky's uh, sister lives. So let's go by the apartment. And make, uh, maybe we can find him there. And they went to this apartment and uh, knocked on the door, and I was with my girlfriend at that time. And she says, are you going to answer the door? I said, no, this is not my apartment. This is my sister, so nobody knows I'm here. And all of a sudden, the door opens up, and it was Sandy, her sister. So, Ricky? And I said, yeah, Sandy? And and she says, Susan, Ricky's here. And they walked in. Oh, wow, Susan, how are you doing? Good, good. I knew you. Let me introduce you to my girlfriend. We're going to be married in about three months. Really? Wow. Wow. Okay. Congratulations. And so we kind of uh, had that awkward sit down for half an hour, catching up, and all of a sudden they said, you know, we're going to go. Thank you so much. And she said, good luck to you guys. And she walked out. And I said to Kathy, my girlfriend at that time, I'm going to be right back. I'm going to just walk uh, Susan and Sarah, I mean, uh, Susan and Sandy to the car. And Susan says, mm. let's go to lunch tomorrow. I said, perfect. I'll, I'll do that. 
So I went back downstairs. I said, bro, uh, if you don't mind, Kathy, I'm going to have lunch with Susan tomorrow with her sister, and maybe I'll invite them to the wedding. Perfect. You know what? Go. <laughs> go. Again, catch up. Uh, that lunch lasted about uh, five hours. And um, wow. I said to myself, okay, I need to go. And uh, I went to uh, Kathy's uh, our, our apartment together. And said, you know what, girl? I think I've met the girl that I'm going to be for with for the rest of my life. So this two things are going to happen tonight: either I'm going to leave you today, or I'm going to marry you. And one year to save your, you know, kind of face, I'm going to marry you, and a year later divorce you, because I'm I think I'm going to spend the rest of my life with Susan, and she was wow. devastated. I mean, on belief, because we already have been receiving gifts for our wedding. So I, we had wedding gifts and the apartment with us. I said, I believe it. And so I left that day. And then that kind of brought uh, Susan and I together. And that was the first of many people that changed my life. Uh, because Susan, what she got at, you know, we're going to celebrate 37 years together in June the 28th. Wow. And so what wow. she met 38, 39 years ago is not the same person that's sitting in front of you or talking to you today because yeah. our guidance, you know, you, what are you doing? I'm a street, a street kid selling drugs for a living. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. You need to get get a job. What? What? A, a job? Job? You know? Yeah, a <laughs> job. Job. You know, a paycheck job, not a fucking cash and carry in the bag job. And so, okay, uh, and just start it. And uh, she allowed me to change my career along the way multiple times. And stay quiet had faith in me and said, you know, whatever you think you're going to do, do. And I was searching because I didn't go to college, so I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was an owner of Palms, a shop. I did uh, education, recruiting. I did carpet selling. I did so much before I got into this car business. And so, but without her, her guidance, her love, her foundation that I had never had in my life, a solid foundation to build this life, I would not be here. Wow. So, yeah. So, what, I don't even know what to say about that, Rick. That, well, that's... and then Benji comes in and play. Benji is my father figure I had never had. Oh, you know, hold on. You took, over, you took over the show, yeah. and that's fine. You, you right. take it. You already yeah. took it over. You take it. You're, 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 I'll, just, I'll just say wow and left when appropriate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, these are just the, some of the characters in my life that showed me directions or paths to go down. Not this one, this, this one. And so, uh, so I was always the one thing I didn't have, and I, I know that Susan says you just didn't have the guidance how to be a good husband, how to be a good friend, how to be a good father, because you didn't have that growing up with your father. So he, it was a shattered relationship. My father was out of my life by the time I was 11 years old. And, you know, that's, you know, so Benji came over right. and Susan saw this connection before Benji and I did. 
And for, Benji for, for, and those, I, for those follow, follow, for those follow for those following at home, who is Benji? When uh, when you say Benji, what, who is he? Benji Menendez is uh, a, a very special Hall of Fame tobacconist, a, a guy that has been in, is in the Hall of Fame. He was the old owner of the Cuban H. Hutman factory in Monte uh, Cruz factory in Cuba. And so he was a blender for, you know, H. Hutman and with his father and his grandfather. And so Benji left Cuba and started to work with uh, Mr. Coleman in 1968, 67, to form what we know huh. as today as Macadoodle. And so all this knowledge has been packed from him, from his father, from his grandfather to me, because Benji has two sons my age. So they're both my age, but they're twins, but they're mentally handicapped. So Benji was always fearing that he's going to go to his deathbed with all this knowledge in his head and nobody to train. And Mr. Coleman another gentleman that changed my life, said, okay, you, you want to train somebody. We need to train somebody. We have this guy, Ricky. You're Benji. Let's see if you guys can get together and work it out. And we struck up this relationship. He definitely looks at me as his son, and I definitely look at him as my father. And so this relationship is still a part of my life today. So every cigar, every cigar that has been associated with has Benji's blessing because he is, in my eyes, my teacher, my friend, my father. Uh, without his approval, it's not going to go uh, past uh, me. Let, let, let me ask you a question, and I'm going to throw it back a little bit, just backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're you, – you're, with your wife or who's going to be your wife or you're starting out being a husband to Susan Mm -hmm. and you're trying to find yourself professionally. You're trying to move away from the bad shit towards something not bad. And you're being presented. It sounds like with opportunities and you go down this road, not this road, that road, not that road. Are you like at this time, are you like kind of like a fart in the wind or do you have some kind of a moral compass like innately no, I, in you. I think I think the compass is one thing. I wanted to be better husband and father than my father. So if, if anything kind of guided me or dragged me to a certain uh, you know a part of my life was that. And so I knew that without education, I just had to throw myself out there to all kinds of arena to see if that fits me. If that's my personality, my skill set fits that. And so on and on. Because I was, I worked for the phone company. I was a cable splicer. Horrible at that. Again, job after <laughs> job after job after job. And then corporate, I thought, was going to be my future. And uh, it was a hard business to belong, but we were making so much money. And so we're so happy but I was so miserable. So when I was recruited to start to work with uh, Jealous Cigar, uh, that mm-hmm. was a kind of, bro, again, the leap of faith. I didn't know anything about cigars. Matter of fact, I didn't smoke cigars until I was hired 
by General Cigar at 40 yeah, years old. You, you told so that it, story, it, but it I'm not clear. Did, how, yeah. did they, how did they even know about you? I'm not clear if we covered that. Like, how did oh, they yeah, even find uh, you? Well, the guy that really recruited me in was the kind of a regional and turned into the vice president of sales for General Cigar, Dave Bullock. That's right. We did, cover that. we did cover that previously. And we, we met, uh, you know, uh, Ramon's classes in the journey. We're going to work together one day. And it happened to be uh, the uh, first time I said yes to him after two or three attempts was General Cigar. Right. Wow. That's, yes, it, it strikes me, and I'm speaking from personal experience, it strikes me that there's a couple of ways you could learn from your parents. You could learn what to do to be a good person and a good parent and a good husband, or you could learn what not to do to right, be exactly. that better exactly. person. And sometimes, yeah. like I hate to admit it, and it might be ugly, sometimes the better teacher is what never to do. I agree. I agree. Because, you know, I, you know, Susan's family was great for her and a beautiful uh, family, five kids. Uh, we had five kids in my family. So it's so opposite, very well-established parents, good, uh, you know, foundation. Is, uh, her dad was an owner of a shrimp business, uh, so uh, money was never uh, a worry in their house. And my side of the coin was totally opposite. There was no money ever, so we're always struggling to pay the bill. The lights are off. The fridge is empty. Uh, where we're going to stay tonight? Uh, we're going to move tomorrow. So that was uh, again. I went to one elementary uh, uh, school. I went to three junior highs, and I went to six high schools because of wow. my ever-changing. We're going to live here, not there today. And so that's a, that combination, really. So her foundation is I want to just maintain this beautiful relationship that I saw, and my side was I want to correct the ills of and break the chains of what my dad learned from his dad and learned from his dad how not to be yeah. a good person. <laughs> So, so all these schools that you just mentioned, mm -hmm. that's all in West Tampa area? No, it was a, a combination of uh, Tampa, and also we moved uh, to Fort Lauderdale in Hollywood, uh, Florida, uh, for a time. I was there about uh, to be able to go to about three to four uh, different schools in Fort Lauderdale, and then we eventually moved back to Tampa, and that was where I started to high school. And high schools, I went to, like I said, I think I went to six high schools in less than three years. So what did I learn from that? Well, not education. I, not, that, that, that wasn't what I learned. What I right. did learn is how to adapt in situations of being the new or the stranger. How do you walk into a high school, if you've ever been in high school, everybody, one of the scariest things in high school as well, not to go to school, is to go to that lunchroom and have your little tray in your hand and turn around and <laughs> everybody, what table do I sit at? Do I sit with the geeks? Do I sit with the losers? Do I sit with the athletes? Do I sit with the smart kids? 
who do I, is going to accept me? And I had, the, I had to learn very quickly to adapt. And I was proud in every high school I have a seat at every table because I, I learned to change my colors very quickly, very quickly. And that really? helped me so much in the future. That's the reason I was a good salesman because I can change and drop another dime. I can talk to the attorney as well as I can talk to the trucker or the trust guy. And I can change or relate to these guys and talk in their terms that, like, okay, you're just from this fa- family. Yeah, no, no. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it made you a dangerous person, Rick, is what it did. That, that's, that's really cool. Okay, so what were you like yeah. as a kid, though? Because I remember you saying that West Tampa, the logo, and I'm wearing the hat now, by the way. Thank right. you. Yeah. West yeah, Tampa yeah, logo. That that was a that was a base. That was a little league, wasn't it? You said. That was my little league that I was uh, you know uh, you know uh, kind of uh, played for you know two years, but it was was one of my favorite memories of growing up before the divorce and the shatter and the moving around. So my fondness for West Tampa is like everybody has bad memories and good memories and you 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 have to elect to what are you going to focus on if you want to focus on it's hard to kind of even it out i'm going to focus on bad and good you're either going to focus your life on the good or the bad and so uh when i think back there's slices of pie and when i think about west tampa that slice of pie is just beautiful i mean tasty it's just beautiful, and there's other pieces that I've like, wow, I, uh, I would never want to, uh, you know, eat that again, and move on. But uh, you know what? Life is life, and so my journey is not. I'm not saying my uh, journey is harder than anybody, or you know, better than anybody. It's just my journey, and so I don't. I don't blame anybody. I don't uh, kind of hold grudges to my parents. Hmm. What do you do to me? You know, because after. After 25 years of life, you, maybe your parents really destroyed you uh, as a kid. But after 25 years old, your life is yours. You elect to live in that pity. You elect to do the same thing that your parents did. You elect to change. You elect to, uh, uh, you know, uh, look the bright side of life. So I just choose that. I said, okay. I don't want to do this. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live in the jungles of Vietnam in 1980. You know, it's done. It happened. Get, you know, kind of get over it. So was that, so that an epiphany, or did you arrive at that after having to learn it a few different ways? Do you remember? I think I said, you know, just, yeah, I said, you know, I, I knew, again, I knew for sure that I was going to be a, the best husband, friend, and father I can be. So how do I happen to do it? You know what? This is a journey of life. You learn, you throw away, you keep uh, some. Uh, but, you know, I've always gravitated to older people because maybe that figure, my mother figure, was not in my life. So I was always, you know, if I hired for any company and there was multiple people, who's the oldest here? Oh, that's Joe. He's been doing – that's the guy I want to, you know, because <laughs> Joe 
can definitely teach me how to sell what we're selling. Not the new guys that with me. What the fuck do you know about beans? I don't know, you know. So let's talk to Joe. He knows everything about beans. Yeah, so, so, so my okay, street, so my, my current, yeah, my life, uh, my street living, my, uh, all these guys are my professors in my courses that I took from maybe 25 to 35. That was my college. That was really the, the people that taught me about life was my professors and about whatever I was doing for a living. And the courses I was taking is the jobs I was taking. I don't like that. I don't want them to be that. So like you're in college, you take a course of, bro, I love that, that course. What is that? Writing. Or maybe I'm going to be a writer. Hmm. But you can also have, to, uh, have somebody that says, bro, I hated that course. I'm never going to be a writer. And so <laughs> I was always uh, looking at for that uh, opportunity to say, this is right for me. And the other so, one, so the you, only one so, was... So, you, so, Holly, so, so you, cho- you, you chose basically to have a series of teachers because you didn't have the teachers in place that you maybe should have had or could have had perfect. if everything was perfect. Yeah, for sure. So, yep. but Benji remains the big one. He's like the headmaster. So yes. what, what, did, what was one thing he taught you? It, it, not cigars, because we haven't been talking about cigars. We did that already. What's yeah, one thing yeah. you've learned from Benji as a person? Um, hmm. uh, just so many. I, again, how to be a better person, because he says, Ricky, the person that's trying to talk to you today was not the person 30 years ago. So what I'm trying to do for you today is that you don't need to go down this path of it's mine, it's all about me, it's, uh, you know, uh, I, I want more money, I want more, you know, uh, you know uh, credit for something. He said, bro, you just do your job and everything comes because he says, you know, younger Benji was not a good man. And he was like, you know, this is my factory. You do it my way or the highway. He says, now I learn that's not a teacher. That's not, but, you know, this is, so he taught me, he said, stop, stop. What is your driving goal? And I said, Benji, I want to be a good person. Okay, focus on that because right now you're more worried about your title and you know, about the money that the company's willing to give you or not enough money. That's not going to last uh, a long time for anybody. So relax and take this called life maybe a little bit gentler than and nobody's going to take anything from you. Ricky, those days are gone. You're going to have enough for you and your family. Perfect. And it really took that edge that I had, that edge that I had from the street. What's, you know, when you offer me something, what are you offering me and why? And he took that away from me. Just trust people. Sometimes they don't have hmm. a hidden agenda to help you. Hmm. Well, but every cocaine, marijuana, pill uh, dealer that I had in my past taught me, bro, nothing is given to you without something given back. So I had to throw that away. Yeah, nothing is given without giving back. And I got to think while you're saying all that, I got to think from the little bit you shared about Benji's past, 
he might have been maybe reinforcing what he's learned and maybe learning more stuff along the way of helping teach you stuff. And it's really kind of a beautiful relationship, man. I agree. I agree. I, I think uh, he, you know, I, I, I talk about what he taught me and how much he shared. But he, uh, you talked to Benji yourself and said, oh, no, 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 no. Ricky taught me as much as I taught him. He taught me how to approach people different. He taught me to be comfortable and analogies. He will always say to you, I could not sell uh, ice water to a guy in hell, but Ricky could sell ice water to an Eskimo because he just <laughs> has this natural ability to relate to people that I didn't have it. So, yeah, so, I, again, I talk about Benji and what he helped me with. Benji would be the first, oh, bro, I got something out from him too, for sure. So, so let me ask you this then. You're in a situation now that you could be somebody's Benji. Did, did yeah. you, have you given that thought? What does that feel like? What do you do with that? Oh, for sure, uh, for sure. Uh, that power uh, that I didn't expect when we, you know, uh, you know, started West Tampa, the power that is given to you as a company owner is you can now go back to that factory and say to that factory owner, this is what I've learned, and maybe it will help you. So, yes, for sure. And I'm also learning from them because their techniques are their way of doing uh, cigars are different than I was taught. So I'm learning from them, but they love the fact that I also have, you know, been, you know, kind of share with them techniques that I've used in my past. And so it's a beautiful uh, time. Now, as far as a blender, um, you know, I'm always open, but right now I'm just working with Jose, and if he can learn mm. to blend a little bit from me, like I'm learning his style of blending from, uh, from him to me, uh, yeah, for sure, I would love that. I love that. Because all I want to do is share, share, share this knowledge that I have. And that's the reason I do our, my events. Uh, if you ask me, you know, what excites you when you go to events, usually as an owner, sales. The more I can sell, the more happy I am. That never comes across for me. I guarantee you I don't ask for the end of the night, what, how, how much we sell, uh, I can calculate it. I know the boxes were stacked, and I know how much is missing. But uh, I love the fact somebody said, hey, bro, you taught me more about cigars in two hours than I have learned in 20 years. That makes me happy. So all I want to do is spread this knowledge that Benji, Mr. Coleman, you know, uh, Nesso Fris, Creole, Sprinkler Nessa, all these beautiful people that stopped their busy life to train me. I want to share that knowledge with anybody and everybody that wants that knowledge. And, and you're the perfect man for the job because you were that kid who had to learn how to speak several different, not languages, but languages, so that you could fit in mm -hmm. to all yep. the different schools and all the different mm -hmm. lunch tables and all the different people there. What do you think that little kid, Rick, that little kid mm -hmm. trying to figure out what table to sit at, 
what do you think he would have thought of all grown up Rick? Uh, you know you, that you uh, think you held it. So, yeah, I think I, I think he would say to me today, Joe, what I went through that scary moment that uh, not sure of what to say, what to do, where to sit, came out to be okay. Because, again, you know, standing in that lunch room, that tray, so many feelings. You're scared. You're angry because you don't know where to do uh, all this. And you, you, you teach yourself to kind of push those down, bring up your personality, and say, this is me. And so if you want me to be funny today, I can be funny. If you want me to be quiet today, I could be quiet. And so growing up, I was very, very quiet. And mm-hmm. so I, when I spoke, uh, people kind of tend to listen because I was a cool kid, the, the, the new kid. Uh, he does his talk a lot. He had long hair, double the length of anybody in any school I've ever gone really? to. Really? So I was, you know, I, I knew that I looked a certain way, and people were like, bro, that, that guy looks cool. Is he cool? Ah, let's find out. And I was able to adapt to any because I can adapt to street kids uh, or, you know, funny kids. Uh, yeah, I, I could just adapt. Yeah. Why, why the long hair, my Rick? way through. Why the long uh, hair? Because when I went to Hollywood, uh, I remember, you know, I was kind of like a little surfer. And so uh, all the guys that I was looking up to had long hair. So I started to grow it. And when I went back to lift my dad, uh, I went to a junior high school uh, in Tampa. And uh, I remember when he saw me, when my hair was maybe to my shoulder, he said, number one, you want to fucking cut that hair. I said, Dad, 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 it took me so long. No, don't, you know, just getting together for the first time in three years. Don't cut it. No, you're going to fucking cut that hair. And so I went to school the first day, and I was sent to the principal office, and the principal said, "Uh, your hair is too long uh, for the school, so you need to cut it. Matter of fact, here's a note to your parents that you need to cut Hmm. your hair are not to come back to school. The minute my dad saw that, nobody's going to tell him to have the racist kids. He says, do not <laughs> cut your hair. <laughs> I, and he sent me the next day with a note. Do not ever tell me what to do with your my kids. Your job is to teach my kids. Do your job. Don't worry about how long his hair is. And sign, Dad. <laughs> So, and so after that, I just started to grow, 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 grow. And I think I cut my hair for the first time in some, like, so from 72 to 76. 76, disco happened. And the minute I went to dance disco for the first time, I said, oh, oh, oh. And uh, that long hair didn't make disco. So I cut the hair and I had a shag. I had a shag. And my life changed yet again, yet again. There's now oh, That's, uh, okay. You know what? This is enough of the ride for this time around. 
but and this closes okay. up the series, but I have a feeling we'll add to it here and there. But Rick, I, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick before we mm-hmm. before I let you go. I'm in the market for a carpet. I need new carpeting. I got a, I, I, I got a, I got a, I got an 80 pound German Shepherd. I got a, I got a 10 pound at best Dachshund. I got two dogs. I got a kid. It's an old carpeting. It's starting to get loosey goosey on the floor. It's, it's like shaggy. I don't want that anymore. What am I going to this to the carpet store asking for? I need something durable. Berber. 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 Yeah, so that's going right. to be a t- tight knit. Uh, so it's just uh, uh, they're getting better and better. So claws for dogs, don't uh, hear it, to Berber would uh, be my answer for you. Berber. I'm writing that yeah. down. And I'm going to use your name yeah. at the shop. I'll expect a discount. Yeah, sure. They probably know you. <laughs> Rick, <laughs> thank you so much for the time, for the stories, Bro, and for making so it much. easy for me. I didn't have to say anything. You stole the show, and I'm okay with that. Well, I, I – I can say this to anybody that's listening. You know, I'll close with this. Take what I said and just realize this. If you believe in yourself, your core group of family and friends, you can achieve anything you set your mind to. But you have to start with what? Believe in yourself and your journey. If you can do that, you can overcome cancer, you can overcome a stroke, you can overcome a failure of a business, you can overcome a firing of a job, just look at this. Once one door is shut, look down the hallway, there's so many doors uh, open for you. So don't concentrate on that one door, just walk away and say, let's go to another door. And with that, I'm going to overcome a cup of coffee. Because full disclosure, Rick, you were nice enough to offer me an opportunity, and I have to get on the phones for West Tampa Tobacco Company. I love you. I love you, too, and thank you, and we'll talk soon. And uh, before I hang up here, Rick, i got to remind people, uh, West Tampa Tobacco Company, check them out. Also check out Kaplowitz Media. That's me at www.kaplowitz dot xyz and we'll all talk soon. Amazing. I, I didn't like that one. I didn't like that one.